Today's scripture reading comes from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and who has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord for us today. In 1976, a small team of three people founded a company that would grow into a $2 trillion company. That company was Apple. In 2012, Facebook bought out the popular social media platform, Instagram, for $1 billion. Instagram, at the time, had 13 employees and had about 30 million users. Every year, um, every year, uh, there is this company uh, called um, Mojang that... uh, Well, Mojang was bought out by uh, Microsoft, but Mojang created uh, Minecraft. And it was bought out by Microsoft for $2.5 billion. And at that time, Mojang had a revenue of about $290 million annually with profits over $100 million and only 37 employees. Teams can do some amazing things, can't they? Like athletes rarely rely on solo effort. Even even athletes that participate in solo sports rarely rely on solo efforts. If it wouldn't be for coaches and trainers and for um, somebody training them consistently day in and day out and them working together, they wouldn't be so successful. Uh, Team sports are a little bit more obvious, right? Like it takes the whole team working together, doing their best um, in order to win the prize. I think I can make this bold statement that each one of us sitting here uh, wants to belong to a team, or at least most of us. Uh, A team that makes a big difference or a big impact in this world. Some of you, though, are like, I'm not a big team guy, Jeremy. I'm, I'd rather work by myself. I'm, I'm better solo. And, and, and I'm not going to argue with you. You might be right. Um, but you can't argue that there is a team of people that it took to raise you. Or that you and your wife have to work together as a team to raise a child. Or even as a team with other people to raise your children. Teams are vital to success, to our own success, to success in this world. And they're also vital to the successes us, the success of us as followers of Jesus, who are working to expand the kingdom of God. Teamwork is important for us. Our teamwork can enhance our performance as disciple makers. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So Father, as we uh, dig into your word this morning, would you just reveal truth to us? 
Would you uh, continue to edify and make us better and more like your son, Jesus? As we talk about teamwork, make us aware of all the ways uh, that we need to be a better team player. Father, encourage us this morning with your word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, it is good to be together this morning. Um, My name is Jeremy. I am the pastor of student ministries here at MCA, and I'm just excited uh, to dive into this topic today. Uh, We're in week four of our series, The Games, and the last week. And for some of you out there who maybe don't love sports, you're like, finally, (laughs) we're, we're coming to the end of these sports analogies. Well, um, I really hope that you will uh, that you will get something more than just sports out of that out of this this morning. Uh, week one of this series, we talked about uh, running the race that that God has set before us and running with purpose, and that's really what this sermon series has been all about: running the race that God has set before us. And we're doing what Scripture so often does, and using sports as a metaphor for this. But week one, we talked about running with purpose. Running to win the prize. And then week two, we talked about uh, running with endurance. You know, life is just full of distractions. And it's easy to be distracted by the things this world has to offer. But we need to run with endurance and fix our eyes on Jesus. And then last week, we talked about fighting the good fight of faith. And setting our eyes on eternity. And, and stop thinking of this world as all there is. But rather because of our faith in Jesus. Because of what we've been born into. We have been born into eternity. This world isn't all that there is. And we need to take hold of, our, of eternity. And then today we're going to be talking about teamwork. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open it up to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. The words of this book are often attributed uh, to Solomon, the the son of David. Um, Most scholars would agree with this. Um, there are some that wouldn't and maybe think that it's another son of David that, is the, that these words belong to. Uh, the way Ecclesiastes is written, um, it's written from the perspective of the author who is sort of watching a teacher and he's sort of writing this down. So, so often the teacher we would believe to have been uh, Solomon. And uh, the passage that we just read and the passage that we're uh, teaching from today is most often used in weddings. But it really does apply to almost any other relationship uh, that we have. Uh, I do think it's kind of interesting, or at least at face value, it's kind of interesting that we take um, a passage from a book like Ecclesiastes about relationships. Because if you know anything about Ecclesiastes, it seems like it could be a bit of a downer. Like the book as a whole just seems like a downer. Like the most common word in that book is meaningless. And he often says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And so you sort of think, what in the world are we doing using a passage from Ecclesiastes where everything is meaningless, it seems like. Well, the author really seems to be like 
or not the author, the teacher really seems to be trying to identify the meaning of life. And as, as he goes through, he talks about money and power and fame and, and, and everything this world has to offer, and he just finds that it's meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But if we understand this book in its full context and the wisdom that it actually offers, you'll find that this is a great book to talk about relationships. I mean, the, uh, the way the author talks about this, he's actually presenting it as if you try to control your life and you don't fix your eyes on God, yeah, everything is meaningless. But if you, if you fix your eyes on God and you understand that there is um, stuff in this world that is meaningless, but you're fixing your eyes on God, then you can actually begin to enjoy the things that this world has to offer. Because you know it's temporary, and you know that you have a future with God. That is really the context behind this book. And then you'll find, oh man, this is a great book for relationships. Because often in relationships, there's a lot that's out of our control. Uh, But there's a lot that we can do as well. Now, we could talk about Ecclesiastes all day, and I actually would enjoy to do that. So if you want to do that, uh, find me later and we can talk about it. But for right now, uh, we, we want to fix our eyes on, on what we're actually talking about today, which is teamwork. So uh, we're going to start reading this just as uh, was read just a little bit ago by Andy. Um, we're going to read this together. Starting in verse 9, reading through verse 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Immediately, you get this really strong sense of togetherness when you read this. And it's almost like, and I feel like I can be bold enough to say this, God created us to be together. Two are better than one. Introverted or extroverted, it doesn't matter. We were created to be together. Together, And maybe you're an introvert saying, I would much rather be at home on the couch by myself than I would be in a crowd of people. And you're probably right. Maybe you would be happier doing that. But long-term isolation is not good for us, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. You weren't created to do life alone. And long-term isolation is not good for us. We just weren't created for it. But so many of us, so many of us feel alone. Some of the hardest times in my life were times where I have felt alone. And if we're if we're honest with each other, my guess is most of us would say the hardest time for us spiritually and emotionally was when we were feeling isolated, when we were feeling alone, when we were standing in this world alone. And something inside of you is telling you this is not supposed to be this way. This doesn't feel right. This is not how it's supposed to be. I believe that we were created by God to have connection with Him and with others around us. 
And that's what he wants for you. Like God doesn't want us to feel alone. He wants us to be connected with him and with others. Like if we fall down and we're alone, who's going to pick us up? We were meant to live together. And he, does, he created us with a desire to be connected. Which brings me to, my, uh, which brings me to a key thought that I have uh, for this morning. And it's, we were created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. I see this all the time. I see all the time for us having this strong desire to be connected, but we're making decisions and doing things that make us feel so isolated, like we're drifting towards that. A great example is social media. I mean, that's why we take pictures and post it. We want to be connected. Like, you want people to see you working out with goats, drinking your latte on the beach, living your best life. Like, that's what you want people to see. And what do you do immediately after you put a post up on social media? Or at least I do this. I I just assume everybody else does because I do this. You check to see who hit the heart button, right? Or the like button, right? You want to know who liked your pictures. You want to know who, who hit that heart button. You, you are longing for this connection. Like you have this thing and you want to share it. And you want to see, who am I sharing all of this stuff with? Like you're longing for this connection. But on social media, often we drift towards isolation. Like what happens... What happens when all of a sudden we start scrolling through everybody else's highlight reel? We start to get upset. We start to get, have these feelings, you know, these feelings that aren't great. These feelings of isolation. These feelings of insecurity or, or loneliness. Maybe even jealousy or envy. Like, like I, I want those things. Like maybe it's feelings of inadequacy. Like I'm just, I'm not, I'm not that good. Like I don't feel that good. Or maybe it's just, maybe it's just fear of missing out. Like, like I want to go to that. They, they didn't invite me to that. Like I wanted to go. Do you see this trend? Like we, we want connection, but then we drift towards isolation. We see this often in marriages, too. This is a hard one. What happens when a spouse begins to drift? In marriages, if you are not actively working towards connection, you drift towards isolation. And all of a sudden, you're starting to make decisions you thought you'd never make. All of a sudden, you're saying things you swore you would never say. You know, we want that connection. But why is it that way? Because we drifted. We drifted towards isolation. But here's the thing. As Christ followers, we are called to fight the drift. Fight the drift. Everybody say, fight the drift. A great example of this are some of the early disciples. 
In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, they shared life together. They met in homes. They broke bread. They ate together. They were together all the time. And God worked through them in amazing ways because they were focused on Him and they were focused on each other. And God worked in miraculous ways. Because the kingdom of God is about forming community of people who share life together. Which brings me to my second point. God created us to work together. Like we're, we're, we're going somewhere. Like we're not just staying stagnant here. We're, we're moving somewhere together. God created us to work together. Both toward his great mission of, of making the whole world aware of him. And telling others about him. But also to protect one another. Two are better than one. Because they have good return for their labor. In Luke chapter 10, we get this great picture of Jesus um, and how, how he made his work known. It's in Luke 10, 1. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. You know, Jesus could have easily doubled the numbers of the number of villages and towns that that these these followers went if he would have just sent them out one by one but he didn't he sent them out two by two jesus seemed to understand that the labor of two people together created more desirable results rather than just sending out one person Yet, yet Jesus just, like, he didn't, he didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. And in this room, there's a lot of us here. And we need to work together. We are called by Jesus to work together to accomplish his mission. To work towards his mission. And here at MCA, there are tons of ways that you can plug into ministries here to help out, to work together. Anything from children's and youth ministry to decorating to playing music to serving in technology to all of those ways that you can serve right here at MCA. But also in your work world. I mean, in your school world. You have friends and you have co-workers and you have classmates that need to know about Jesus. And you, you are sitting in this room surrounded by a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and, and gifts. 
And we need to use each other to work towards this mission that he has called us to. But we are also in a spiritual war. And we need to work together to protect each other. There is a very real enemy who is out to devour us. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. If we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ, we are more apt to be overtaken by this world. In 1992, in the Olympic Games, uh, Great Britain's Derek Redmond pulled a hamstring. And he got back up and the pain was tremendous. And he bounced on one leg and all of a sudden his father joined him to help him finish the race. So first, God created us to be together. Second, God created us to work together. And lastly, God created us to support each other. When we fall, we pick one another up. At times, we all need help standing, right? And there are giants in our lives that have taken over. Giants like sickness and sin and depression and tragedy and financial hardships and relational difficulties. I could go on and on and on because the lists are really long of all the giants that we face. And maybe for you, it is loneliness. You know, for the sake of full uh, transparency, the word alone isn't a new word in our home. You know, we have uprooted our lives a number of times and gone to new areas. And when you go to a new area, life is difficult. You know, it's hard. It's hard developing friendships in new circles where you've where you felt like you haven't belonged your entire life. These are the giants that we have had to face in our lives. And we know these feelings and emotions really well. But we do believe that God is faithful and we put our trust in Him. However, we acknowledge the need for community in our our lives. But maybe for you it's something different. But what's important is that we face those battles together. So when David faced Goliath, he went and he picked up some stones and he faced him with the stones and the sling and he and he hit Goliath and knocked him over and defeated him. What I find so interesting about this story is that Goliath wasn't necessarily David's personal giant. He was his people's giant. But because it was his people's, it was his. And in the same way, when you struggle, I struggle. When you struggle, we all struggle. I understand that it's not our personal battle, but when we are living in authentic community, we are working through these things together. When one of us falls, the other picks him up. When you mourn, I mourn. When you hurt, I hurt. And that's what we need to be striving for here at MCA. And and beyond us as a church, where are you individually? 
Are you living together with others in community? Remember, we weren't meant to do this life alone. We were meant for connection, but we drift towards isolation. Have you drifted? Are you further down the stream than you ever thought that you would be? Finding authentic community is hard. It's difficult, but it's necessary. We were created to be together. We were created to work together. And we were created to support each other. So where are you? Maybe for you, you're surrounded with people and you don't even fear falling down because you know somebody will come and pick you up. If that's you, I find that to be very awesome. That's awesome. But I have a challenge for you this morning. Maybe you know someone in your life that's hurting. Maybe you know someone who's fallen down. Maybe you know someone who just needs a friend. And my challenge for you is reach out to them. Call them, text them, reach out to them in some way. Get together with them. This week, get together with them this week and share life with them. Let them talk to you about the ways that they're hurting. And don't use this time to talk about all the ways that you're frustrated. You let them share and you listen. And when they need somebody, you pick them up. Or maybe for you, the very idea of being transparent with somebody else is very frightening. Like maybe you feel like if you put yourself out there one more time and don't feel accepted or loved or cared about, you won't be able to survive the wounds that come with that. I want you to know that God loves you very much. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. And he has purchased you. He has died for your sins. But I have a challenge for you as well. Find someone this week to share your hurts with. And let them help you stand. Even though it sounds intimidating and difficult, don't let fear stop you. Let somebody else be there for you. And I send out these challenges for a reason. We aren't just meant to be together. We're actually better together. So, Father, thank you for the ways that you work in our lives. Thank you for the people that you have placed in our lives. Father, relationships are difficult, and working as a team sometimes is really hard. But, Father, we understand the need. We pray that you would put people in our lives to help us grow, to help us stand when we need help. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on a cross and paid for our sins and who came back to life defeating sin and death. And thank you for the life that we can have with him now and forever. 
Father, as we close this series, I pray that you would help us live this life better. To, to live it in a way that honors and glorifies you. To run the race that you have set before us. We pray this in your son's name.